Hello and welcome to I Really Wish You Hadn't. This is a podcast about people and businesses that have made horrible mistakes, have fallen apart at the seams, or have just been generally awful since their inception. They're the kind of people and businesses that make you think, man, I really wish you hadn't. Welcome back to I Really Wish You Hadn't. I'm Michael Bentley, and I'm here with Cayman McMahon. Ho-ho! And our super producer, Colin Moore. If it weren't for him, last week's episode would have been late. So big props to Colin. I just got a notification in the morning when I woke up, and it was like, hey, episode's done, and it's uploaded. So big (laughs) props to Colin. Yeah, you got it in the morning. I sent it at like 2.30 a.m. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I woke up, and I was like, oh, you did all that work. Perfect. Yeah, very nice. All right. I feel like my intro was a little too high energy for how I actually feel. Well, you know, it's it's important that you that you wear the mask and hide the pain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So this week we're talking about MySpace. Speaking of uh pretending like you're not miserable, social media. <laughs> so MySpace is pretty much the website that gave birth to the social media monster that's taken the world hostage that uh, we're currently living in. It's where all the reliable news comes from. MySpace, yeah. Or just social media. Oh, just social media in general, right. Well, it's where you can get a, a you know, a firsthand source, because that's, I'm not going to get political, very political. Yeah, it's where you can find out that, like, KFC is making chicken nuggets out of baby fetuses that's gonna give you the coronavirus caffeine vaccine not caffeine shit (laughs) (laughs) that reminds me uh (laughs) bojangles has a new type of mountain dew i don't know if you guys have seen that what are they trying to taco bell it's called mountain dew southern spark and it's uh, Mm -hmm. it's pretty good Mm -hmm. good. what does it taste like it's like just really fruity i don't know i don't know why it says does it have tea in it no I, i mean i don't know does it have meth in it? It just said new Mountain Dew Southern Spark, and I was like, okay, get me a medium Mountain Dew Southern Spark, and I drank it, and it wasn't... A lot of the like weird flavors, I'm like, mm, this is gross, but not that one. That one wasn't so bad. Hmm. We'll have to check it out. Shout out to our sponsor this week, Bojangles, Bojangles. <laughs> uh, where you can have the Mountain Dew Southern Spark, I guess only in the South. I don't, I don't know. I think Bojangles is generally only in the South, so... Okay, well, there you go. We're still waiting on that check, Bojangles. Yeah. We already smeared Jack in the box for you. <laughs> Two for five Cajun filet biscuits. <laughs> Delicious. Um, it's bow time. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's one of the best ways to be woken up in the morning. Okay, the, the, the commercial's over. Someone kicking down your door and saying, it's bow time. <laughs> Cayman, the commercial is over. We're done doing our sponsorship of Bojangles. Well, hold on. That's mm-hmm. like, did you all ever go to Bojangles for the period where you would pull up to the drive-thru and they would just go, bow time. Like, that <laughs> yes. was all they said. In the, like, it wasn't like, what's your order or how can I help you? It's just bow time. And then you were expected to respond with, uh... Cajun filet, please. <laughs> you remember when they came out with bow emojis? It was Bojangles emojis for your phone. Oh, you no. were the one that just said that we were done. I know, but I, I gotta bring <laughs> that up, man. They they had emojis for that. Bojangles. Anyway. Can we just change this to an I'm really glad you did and talk about Bojangles for an hour and a half? 
you know what? On on our next go around, you can pick Bojangles as your topic. Okay. But today we're talking about MySpace, the website that started millions of arguments over why people weren't on your top friends list. I don't know why. Why am I not on your top friends list? I hated the top friends list. It got to the, like, literally, this is a true story. It got to the point where I had one top friend and it was Tom. And I was like, that's it. I have no top friends. Me and Tom are the only people who are going to hang out on MySpace from now on. Um, couldn't tell you who my top friend was. I only had a MySpace for a limited amount of time because I wasn't supposed to have one. And we'll get into that. Um, so I had one secretly. And then uh, my parents got on found my account and they saw that I had a proto meme about teabagging. Nice. Um, so then I got grounded um, because apparently then they looked up what teabagging was. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, I remember at one point my top friends was set to the maximum number and I just had everybody on there. That sounds like a very Colin move. I mean, I guess they were still ordered, right? So I don't know if I did like alphabetical or random order or if I actually ordered them, but it's like looking at two different strategies to solve a problem. The Michael so, strategy of no one gets anything and the Colin strategy of everyone gets everything. Well, at one point I had gone through, lit I'd spent probably a full day on this. I went to every single one of my friends' pages to see if I was one of their top friends. I was obsessed with MySpace. Like, I literally did it every single day for hours. Like, I would read every forum post. Like, I, I was all about it. Or bulletin, whatever they called it. Yeah, bulletins. And I found a dude that I didn't know that well. I was one of his top friends. Like, I maybe talked to this guy, like, three times. And I was on his top friends list. And I was like, uh... And I felt bad. And then I added him to my top friends list. But I didn't know him. <laughs> so then I was like, uh... And I think that's the moment that I was like, okay, forget it. We're not doing this. Just Tom. And just 10 short years later, him and Michael got married. Mm -hmm. And then we started a podcast called I Really Wish You Hadn't. <laughs> Wait, was it me or Colin? Uh, the joke well, was that it was you, but... Yeah, I'm cousins with Michael, yeah. so I don't think the law... It is Tennessee, though. of kissing cousins? Uh, we're first cousins, though. It's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. I, this, bit, this bit's getting weird. All right, let's move on. It's definitely not legal. Yeah, so... Colin's major problem is the legality. <laughs> I mean, that's just one of the major problems. Okay! Are you... Wait. Are you saying that if I if it was legal, you wouldn't marry me? Uh, yes, I am saying that, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm hurt. I'm destroyed. All right, so this story begins, as all great stories do, uh -huh. with two-time Tony-winning acclaimed actor Matthew Broderick. All right, this one's a good one. Yeah, yeah you're, you're yeah, catching see, on. You're I'm, getting, I'm getting, it. getting yeah. better at it. Yeah, you're getting really good at this. You see, in summer of 1983, a fantastic film called War Games hit theaters, starring, you guessed it, Matthew Broderick. Now, I'm going to read Fandango's synopsis of this film for you, just real quick. And this is all coming back to MySpace, so don't worry about it. High school student David Lightman, Matthew Broderick, Unwittingly hacks into a military supercomputer while searching for new video games. After starting a game of global thermonuclear war, Lightman leads the supercomputer to activate the nation's nuclear arsenal in response to his simulated threat as the Soviet Union. Once the clueless hacker comes to his senses, Lightman, with help from his girlfriend, must find a way to alert the authorities to stop the onset of World War III. 
Okay, I've heard of that movie. I didn't realize that's what it was about. Why would you assume that the like military had video games on their servers? Well, no, he finds it. Com- you, there's an entire movie. I'm not going to explain it. I'm not going to spoil it. Okay. All right. Well, let's not. Yeah, we don't. We won't get into it. It's very good. Uh, it was a bulk of my research for this episode. That's not good. <laughs> now, Michael, this is the part where you ask me. What in the heck and frick does this have to do with MySpace? What in what in the heck and duke does this have to do with MySpace? Close enough. Great question. I'm happy you asked. See, War Games was a cool movie. And as every 13-year-old girl who wanted to learn how to use a bow and arrow after seeing Hunger Games can tell you, people like imitating cool movies. War Games inspired a whole generation of hackers, which... A lot would go on to become computer scientists, uh, computer security experts, uh, and really made the act of hacking a mainstream act. Like, people didn't really know what hacking was before they saw this movie. Enter 13-year-old Thomas Anderson. Now, was Thomas Anderson inspired by the movie War Games? Who knows? Is it a coincidence that he started learning how to hack the same year that the movie came out? Not very likely. Regardless, by age 14, just one year later, it seems that Tom had gotten pretty good at it, as evident to his actions causing one of the largest FBI raids in California history. See, Tom, going by the screen name Lord Flathead, had managed to hack into Chase Manhattan Bank's computer system using a method known as war dialing. Essentially what this was was using a program that dialed sequential phone numbers until receiving a modem response typically leading to a Unix mainframe with a default password or no password at all. Now, Michael, mm-hmm. I know you're asking yourself, where did a jib jam 14 year old learn how to do that? What is, did you, did you get your script from like a 56 year old man? <laughs> Michael, I know you're asking yourself, where did a jib jam 14 year old learn how to do that? Where, why? You're supposed to ask it. How, how where did a jib jamming six four, 14 year old learn to do that close enough great question i'm happy you asked now considering the fact that tom has never gone on the record about his running with the law we aren't sure but if he had seen the movie war games the previous summer there's a good chance that he picked it up from the scene in which matthew broderick uses the same war dialing technique it all comes full circle Matthew Broderick. Well, okay, hold on, hold on. Like, I've, I've, maybe, maybe he, like, was aware that that was a thing from that movie, but it's not, that movie can't, it's not an instruction manual, right? Like, I don't know. Movie laid it out pretty good for me. All right, maybe I just need to see the movie, but (laughs) I mean, there's still a lot that goes into creating a war dialer beyond just like, you just gotta dial all the numbers till you find a a modem like well, you know the program and all that stuff yeah you know, right yeah the right. the actual work of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay so <laughs> it's more likely that he was on like a usenet forum where people were talking about it or he looked up the usenet forum because of the movie now i, I will i will see that's what i'm give saying give you a solid maybe he was inspired he might have been inspired but i mean there's it's not like anybody could have just went and done that after they watched the movie like depends how much ram they had i guess and I assume I assume this ends up being MySpace Tom. He's clearly a talented programmer. Like, yeah, Tom Anderson, Thomas Anderson. So, yeah, that, and that's really what this is getting at. 
talented programmer, especially for someone so young. Yeah, yeah, at 14. I'll, I'll finish this story out for you. So once Tom gained, gained access to the computer system, you know, the Chase Bank computer system, he changed passwords, restricted access to the system from Chase Bank employees, and left dummy accounts in the system that laid out his plans. Uh, essentially, these were to destroy important financial documents unless he was giving full access to the database. As at 14? Like, is he a supervillain? Yeah, at 14. <laughs> yeah. So the big problem after this, and you know, he probably just thought that this was all neat. He probably just thought that it was funny. And he wanted to... I No, 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 mm-mm. No, you lose that... Like, if he... I thought that it would just be like, oh, yeah, he got access and, like, was poking around, and then he got found. No, he's straight up, like, maliciously saying, (laughs) I am holding you hostage until you give me money and a helicopter to Belize. Like... (laughs) No, (laughs) he just wanted full access. He didn't ask for anything financial. He probably could have stole money. Come on. Come on, man. Why do you want access to Chase Bank <laughs> if you're not going to steal money? Like, this is straight up a Batman comic. Well, see, we're not even to the big problem yet. Because the big problem was that he then showed 40 of his friends how to also hack the computer system in the same way. Leading the FBI to step in thinking that this could possibly be a wide-scale cyber attack being orchestrated by a criminal conspiracy rank instead of realistically 25 teens and preteens. Hold on. You said 40 and then you said 25. How many was it? So he showed 40 of us. He showed 40. Only 25 were into it. Yeah. Well, here's my thing is like, I think it's more impressive that a kid who has dedicated his life to learning hacking, like you, you have a certain picture in your mind. I think the most impressive part of the story is that kid also has 40 friends. Yeah. No, that's definitely. um, Well, you get the same vibe like with you, though. Yeah, Michael, you're a programmer. That's what you do. (laughs) Yeah, but I didn't do it at 14. Like, you know, I I, I do it as a profession. This kid did it as a hobby. Uh, Okay, well, I'm a a professional. It's very different. (laughs) I meant the opposite. I'm (laughs) self-deprecating. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Now, Tom was, of course, caught. And due to his young age, he was never charged with any crimes. Uh, The FBI did, however, confiscate all of his and his friend's computer equipment. Yikes. So say goodbye to that programming career. And it appears it appears that after this running with the law, Tom managed to have a pretty quiet life. Uh, he got a degree in English from UC Berkeley and a master's degree in critical film studies from UCLA. Uh, somewhere during this time, he also got really involved in playing music and bands and whatnot, uh, which is something that will definitely come up later. In 2000, while studying at UCLA, Tom got a job as a product tester and a copywriter at X-Drive, which was a digital storage company. It was here that he met Krista Wolf, and the two would then go on together to work at E-Universe. Yeah, so Krista Wolf and Thomas Anderson, they're working at E-Universe. But let's kind of put that in a box for now and set it to the side. Because before we really get into the story of MySpace and how it got started... We need to talk about the social media landscape circa 2002. There were many social media platforms that tried to catch on in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s. And I've I've actually done a little bit of research and I'd like to share uh, some of the sites that tried to catch on. There was VampireFreaks.com. Hell yeah. Which is where you could meet all the cool goth kids that used to hang out at your local mall. Oh wait, I have to search right now and see if that's still around because... uh... 
I'm signing up. I, I'm curious. I, I didn't actually. I didn't, oh my god! Is it still up? Oh no, it's a website now that sells the coolest clothes I've ever seen. Oh, that's right. That one turned into a clothing brand. So some of these are still up, and and we'll get into it. Pretty badass. Memestreams.net, which sounds like a lot of fun, but I decided to go check it out, and there was just one user still active, and he was just posting gore. Um, <laughs> just a dude with like his hand blown off. Oh wait, memestreams.net? Memestreams.net, that's the one. I'm searching all these without a moment of hesitation. Okay, so okay. yeah, I don't see anyone here. Um, there's no games. It said there would be games. Okay, so yeah, it looks dead. Yep. Uh, and then there's bigmuscle.com, which I think was originally supposed to be a bodybuilding like social media site. Um, but now it's just a lot of gay uh, porn. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's a lot, it's a lot of gay porn. Thank God for that screen that you type in and it's like this site is for men ages 21 and older. Wait, so women couldn't use this? Okay. Now, not only is this gay porn, which I'm not into, but it's also a little sexist. Sure. All right. Uh, then there was <laughs> makeoutclub.com, which is really surprisingly the most tame site that we've talked about so far. It was just about uh, indie music, because like at the time, it was really hard to find good indie music, and Make Out Club was apparently an indie song that was popular around the time. That one looks like it's down. There was Live Journal, which wasn't really social in nature, just kind of like uh, write write blogs and stuff. And apparently LinkedIn came out in 2002, which I didn't know, but again, more business focused. So needless to say, things weren't really going great in the social media game up to this point. That was until Friendster came along. And Friendster was the first of these platforms that really resembled a modern social media site. You could... You know, invite people to be your friend. You could share photos. There was a bulletin board. You could set a custom background on your profile. It was essentially MySpace. And <laughs> there's a good reason for that, but we'll get into it. Friendster was created so that the founder could find friends of friends that were attractive girls. Like, he basically wanted to be able to scan his friends' friends to find hot girls for him to for them to set him up with. Exactly. It's the only reason that great things are done in this world, Michael. It's why we went to the moon. The name Friendster was created by combining the word friend with the word Napster. Because Napster was really big at the time. And so, you know, it's Napster for friends. You can just download all the friends you want. <coughs> and obviously we're going to have to cover Napster at some point. So put a pin in Napster. Surprisingly, Friendster was huge when it started. Like, I know that now, like, we don't, even think about Friendster as being a big social media platform. But like when it hit, it hit hard. I didn't know what it was till this episode. Within weeks, the site became the first social media platform to reach 1 million users. And within months, the user count was over 3 million. The site was talked about in national publications and the founder of Friendster was invited to be a guest on Jimmy Kimmel Live, which also apparently started in like 2002. Really? Who knew? Yeah, I didn't realize it was that old. So anyway, let's go back to that box that we set aside. So we got Tom Anderson and Chris DeWolf over here at E-Universe. And I honestly can't say for sure what E-Universe's business was. I've tried to figure it out. The LA Times said that they were an, quote, interactive entertainment network, whatever that means. Uh, but Bloomberg said that they sold 
printer cartridges and skin cream. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what they were doing. Sounds like a porn site. Sounds like all a ploy to cover up a porn site. But anyway, so you got to own that shit. Crystal Wolf and Tom Anderson are both doing their thing. And they were both Friendster users, and they wanted to see if they could replicate that functionality on a side of their own. And within 10 days, they had pretty much completely duplicated Friendster's entire model. Oh. Now, but what's convenient for them was, eUniverse, first and foremost, was a marketing site, whatever that means. And they had a... (laughs) They had an email list of 20 million people. So, of course... The two guys (laughs) took that 20 million email list and said, hey, check out MySpace. So they just blasted this out to everybody that eUniverse had ever done business with. Now, I assume that they got fired for that. No, I think eUniverse like kind of owned MySpace. I think it just became another like portion of their business. Um, Yeah, so I I feel like this was all kosher. What is eUniverse? I have no idea. I'm starting to feel like it's not a porn site anymore. I, I don't know. I wanted to answer that question. I could not figure it out. So if you know what a universe is, please write into the show. Yeah. And anyway, to get more groundswell, the pair started reaching out to indie bands and pinup girls like Tila Tequila to join their site. I'm back to thinking it's a porn site. Yeah. I've reverted. So what's important to realize is this is also the time when reality TV was booming. So Tila Tequila became a star through MySpace and then got her own reality TV show. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Shot of Love on MTV. Maybe it was VH1. I don't even know. Sure. She got a TV show. Sounds like VH1. Um, And this prompted the average 20-something to believe that, you know, they could be famous on MySpace too. All they got to do is get a bunch of followers and then they'll get their own TV show. (laughs) Quick detour. Did you guys know that Tila Tequila is a Nazi now? Yeah. Yeah. Like... She's a straight-up Nazi. Uh-huh. I haven't been keeping up with her, I'll be honest. She Well, let me give you the scoop. Okay. She posed as a sexy Nazi, like, in uniform, in front of a picture of Auschwitz. Mm. Oh. And then she said a bunch of really, really racist stuff on Twitter, and then yeah. she got kicked off. hmm And mm-hmm. then she joined Gab, uh-huh. which... I'd never heard of Gab before. Apparently Gab is Twitter, but for everyone who's been kicked off Twitter, so it's just a bunch of Nazis. <laughs> There's a Nazi Twitter. Neat. So yeah, I went down a little rabbit hole on that. So Tila Tequila, big in MySpace, also a Nazi. Still staying relevant, though. Yeah, so, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but Nazis are huge right now. Very political. <laughs> Soon MySpace was pulling in a million users per month, and this caught the attention of the literal devil. I just almost dropped my beer, but caught it right before it fell. And so I missed Michael's lead in. Colin from the future here. I know that he almost dropped his beer because he's setting it down on his desk every couple of seconds. And I have to edit out the noise of him putting his can down because he doesn't have a mic stand. And it's the most annoying thing ever. And I had to say something. Talk about about Fox News. Yeah. So what Michael's talking about is uh, MySpace's sale to News Corp. Now, News Corp, if you don't know, is owned by Rupert Murdoch, and that's kind of too big a bag of worms to get into right now. So what I'll say is this. In 2005, MySpace accounted for more than 80% of social media traffic on the internet, and everyone wanted a piece of that pie. I'm sorry, did you say 80%? Yeah. MySpace was 80% of the internet. 
80% of social media traffic on the internet. Okay, sorry, sorry. Clean the idiot out of your ears, Michael. I'm sorry, that was harsh. Uh, Viacom entered into negotiations with MySpace's founders, Tom and Chris, to buy MySpace for an astonishing $530 million. But before the deal could be finalized, News Corp, which, like I said, owned by Rupert Murdoch, now owns Fox News, uh, swept in and acquired the company for $580 million. This, by the way, led to Viacom CEO Tom Freston being fired. Now, luckily for MySpace, Tom and Chris stayed on board as president and CEO despite their huge payout. But what was this going to mean for the site? Acquisitions always mean one thing for sure. Changes. Now, the first few years post-acquisition, it was clear that News Corp had made a good deal. By January 2006, MySpace was getting 200,000 new users per day and had become the most visited site in the U.S. in 2006. For a news company like News Corp is, more eyes is everything because it gets at the number one tippity-top objective for every news agency. You want to guess what that is, Colin? Clicks. Well, ads. Ads, clicks. And the joke is it should be news. It's ads. Um, So in August 2006, MySpace signed a huge advertising deal with Google in which Google would pay $900 million over three years to have exclusive rights to provide web search results and sponsored links on MySpace. Now, this doubled MySpace's income and it guaranteed News Corp would see a return on their investment as long as they kept their ads up. MySpace would continue to dominate the social networking field and by 2008 was valued at over $12 billion. The success also meant that MySpace got the opportunity to expand and take on new ventures. Yeah, and so one of those new ventures was entering into the world of music. Uh, Music had become a huge staple of the site, and MySpace quickly became a go-to place for up-and-coming musical artists to get exposure. Uh, So here's a list of people who got their start from uploading their music to MySpace. Calvin Harris, Owl City... Sean Kingston, Adele, Skrillex, Wiz Khalifa, Hello Goodbye, which, hot take, I think Hello Goodbye is one of the most underrated bands of our time. Their album, Everything is Debatable, is one of my favorite albums. I'd say that's debatable. Everything is. Panic at the Disco, who allegedly found their keyboardist through MySpace, but I can't get a solid source on that. A lot of people say it, but I can't find proof of that. Um, The Arctic Monkeys and... Unfortunately for us all, Soldier Boy. So without MySpace, we would have never been able to punch, then crank back three times from left to right. You don't like Soldier Boy? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't like Soldier Boy. Um, what? Uh, look, okay, I did at the time. Whenever MySpace was popular, I was a big Soldier Boy fan. Hasn't like- Soldier Boy, isn't he like cool or something? Uh, not that I know of. I know he made a game console that he got in big trouble for. No, he didn't make a game console. It's a Chinese knockoff that you can buy way cheaper, but he slapped his name on it. He marketed. He endorsed. Yes. It's like a Game Boy, but it's the Soldier Boy. But better. And this is just a few <laughs> bands that I named. If I wanted to name all the emo bands that you haven't listened to or even heard of since middle school. Doubt. We'd, we'd be here all night. <laughs> um... So to try to capitalize on this new demographic of indie artists, MySpace launched MySpace Records. And it was fine. 
they signed Hollywood Undead, who were pretty popular at the time, but... Oh, yeah. By the time they wanted to come out with their first album, uh, MySpace Records listened to it and said, no, 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 you're going to have to, like, take this out and this out. You can't say this. And they were like, uh, no. And so they found a different label almost immediately and moved on. And that's kind of the story of a lot of stuff with MySpace Records. Um, they signed a lot of one-hit wonders like Carly Rae Jepsen and Mickey Avalon. Carly Rae Jepsen's not a one-hit wonder. I love Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, okay, name name two songs by Carly Rae Jepsen. Okay, I really, 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 really like you. Oh, is that her? Oh, that one's great. Yeah. That's one. I, I just know, uh, hey, I just met yeah, you. Yeah, and Call Me Maybe. And this is There's crazy. two. You asked me to name two. One of my favorite songs of all time. Okay, apologies to Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, good. Uh, MySpace also put together a compilation album with artists like Fallout Boy, Weezer, and of course, Tila Tequila, who apparently also has a musical career, um, in addition to being a Nazi. Mm. <laughs> she Oh, she just recently started a Kickstarter to make a, a gospel album, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. And she's also a Nazi. <laughs> so this compilation album was called MySpace Records Volume 1. And it's the only one they made. <laughs> yeah, it's volume one, but there's no volume two. MySpace Records survived for over 10 years, and they just kind of existed. Like, they didn't really do much. But MySpace's platform did a tremendous job of starting the careers of some of today's biggest artists. So, yeah. And really, before we get into all the nitty-gritty nitty -gritty details of why MySpace is no longer with us in the same capacity... Um, I'm going to talk about a little bit of the dark side of MySpace. So, you know, Michael talked about the good stuff, all the music and whatnot. And we're going to tone it back because this is really kind of a disturbing story and um, was kind of one of those unforeseen circumstances of social media. So so is this is this one of those times where I shouldn't make a joke because I'll feel bad about it later? No, go ahead and make the joke. No, I don't have a joke. But like if I hear if I like think of one during this, should I not say it? Probably not, but I okay. kind of wouldn't mind if you felt bad later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. This is probably not a good time to make a joke. Okay, all right. So I'm going to talk about uh, Megan Meyer. Now, Megan was a relatively normal young girl. Uh, she just so happened to have some problems with depression and some suicidal tendencies. But, you know, mental problems are much more frequent than the general population realizes. Normally, these things can be fixed. So, since the third grade, when she first told her mother that she wanted to kill herself, she had been regularly seeing a psychiatrist and was on a steady stream of antidepressants and antipsychotics. Uh, now, Megan did also have a bully problem, which probably didn't help her situation. Um, and this seemed to persist through a lot of her young life, as you know, many children unfortunately deal with these types of things. After being transferred to a private school, the one thing that lifted Megan's spirits was her friend Josh Evans, who she'd met on MySpace. Now, they never met in person, and they had only met online, but they had a good relationship, but they had a good relationship, and it seemed that Megan had a crush on Josh. Unfortunately, after a while of this, things took a turn for the worst on October 16th, 2006. See, when Megan got home from school that day, her mother signed Megan into MySpace before leaving for an orthodontist appointment because their parents were very involved in her being on the social media site. Um, but before her mother could even leave, Megan was upset. Apparently, Josh had left troubling messages to Megan, one of which said, I don't know if I want to be friends with you anymore because I've heard that you are not very nice to your friends. 
And this is only one of the many messages that he left. Uh, but Megan's personal messages with Josh were also being shared with others through bulletins posted about her, which is kind of like posts on Facebook, but they stay on your page. So um, for those of you that remembered MySpace, you know how that works, but it is a little different. Megan's mother told Megan to sign off, but when her mother returned home, she found that Megan had disobeyed her. Megan was sobbing hysterically and using vulgar language in response to the messages. The last message sent by Josh read, Everybody in O'Fallon, which is where they lived, knows who you are. You are a bad person and everybody hates you. Have a shitty rest of your life. The world would be a better place without you. Megan had responded by saying, you're the kind of boy a girl would kill herself over. Now, Megan then went into her room to be alone while her parents were in the kitchen making dinner and discussing her cyberbullying. 20 minutes later, Megan's mother suddenly froze in mid-sentence, thought about the situation a little bit more, and ran up to Megan's room. Megan Meyer had hanged herself with a belt in the bedroom closet, and despite attempts to revive her, Megan was pronounced dead the next day on October 17th, three weeks before her 14th birthday. Josh Evans, by the way, was actually a hoax account run by one of Megan's former friends and that friend's mother, Lori Drew. Now, see, like I said, Michael kind of had the more happy side. I'm not saying this is MySpace's fault, but this was big news at the time because essentially would this girl still be alive without myspace would she still be alive without social media possibly um but these things can have huge effects especially on children uh it's really easy to get online and hide behind these profiles which is something that we of course all know now so this is just one of the first major hiccups in social media and being online uh, and something that I feel like luckily we have a better grasp on today now that we're kind of more of aware of it. But this was definitely a tarnish on the social media reputation of MySpace. And this led to a lot of parents not wanting their children to be on social media, which, by the way, was the reason that I wasn't supposed to have MySpace. Super, super happy topic, Cayman. Thank you for lightening the mood. Yep. yep I'm now yep, about yep. to make some jokes. So let's just palate cleanser. Forget everything you just heard, because my next thing, I did not realize that's what I was coming off of. Oh, I did. I Okay, I will point out, Michael is the one that made the topics for this episode, so I was only researching what I was told to like a good boy. <laughs> I didn't say... I was a good boy, Michael. <laughs> I give you a lot of creative liberties. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about what everyone here is here for. Let's talk about Facebook. <laughs> You want to talk about MySpace? Oh, you're here for Facebook. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. Just like in just like in 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 2007. As soon as Facebook comes up, that's yeah, that's what you want. Yeah. So I'm gonna do a super abridged version of the Facebook story because a we've probably all seen the Social Network. If you haven't, go check it out. It's a great movie. Oh, it's a solid movie. I like Jesse Eisenberg. And B, there's a good chance we do a Facebook episode at some point in the future. Yeah, why not? So, anyway, the Facebook story. There's this guy named Matt Zuckerman. Excuse me, (laughs) that's Mark Zuckerberg, who will henceforth be referred to as the Zuck. Does he smoke meats? (laughs) Like a brisket? Not yet. He doesn't smoke meats yet. Okay. If you haven't seen that video, go check out uh, Mark Zuckerberg smokes meats if i ever meet mark zuckerberg the one question i want to ask him is how he smokes meats like 
I want to know more about Mark Zuckerberg's meat smoking because I don't really believe that he actually smokes meats. I just believe that he like did that to try and appear more human. Oh, yeah, we smoke meats. Okay, it's going to be delicious. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I feel like that was all a marketing thing. I want to show him that video, actually. I wonder if he's ever seen it. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, surely he's seen it. Uh, I don't know. They got him to say, give me the Zuck. Z-U-C-C Zuck. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh. <laughs> so the Zuck goes to Harvard, right? Because of course he does. Right, like you do. Like you do, yep. Wait, does he drop out and get super rich? He doesn't shotgun beers doing a handstand in the snow. So the Zuck starts a website for people to rate the attractiveness of their classmates. And Harvard is unsurprisingly not very happy about that. They almost expel him over it because it's really scummy and gross. Uh, but anyway, fast forward a year, and after the success of MySpace, the Zuck creates a social media platform very similar to the features of MySpace, and he called it The Facebook, later renamed to Just Facebook, uh, famously said by Justin Timberlake, drop the the, it's just Facebook. Um, He'll come back up. Yeah. It wasn't Justin Timberlake who originally said that, but you know, it was the it was actually the founder of Napster, surprisingly. But again, that will all come out in either our Napster or Facebook episodes. It's weird how all these things are all tied together. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the gimmick of this social media site was that only Harvard students could use it. And from there, the site expanded to the rest of Ivy League and then to major universities, and then to all universities, and then to high schools, then to major businesses like Apple and Microsoft, and then to the rest of the world. And along the way, Facebook picks up $13.7 million in capital. And originally, the Zuck just wanted to sell out as soon as it got popular. In 2004, while Facebook was still just at major universities, can I keep just saying the Zuck? Yeah. Uh, the Zuck offered MySpace CEO Chris DeWolf the option to buy Facebook for just $75 million. DeWolf obviously declined and set history in motion. Like, this is the story that we hear time and time again. Like, the one that's going to end up killing the company wants to sell to that company for an absurdly small amount. And they say, no, we have no interest in that. Uh, he would have ruined it anyways. Uh, probably. Yeah. News Corp would have ruined it. I don't know. Well, yeah, News Corp would have ruined it. Chris the Wolf, we'll get more into it. He seems like he's got his head on his shoulders, but we'll get there. He seems smart. So as Facebook is hitting the world stage, MySpace is starting to see a change in direction. MySpace was starting to shift the focus of the site towards media like music and video. And like we talked previously, that was a pretty successful venture. But most people that use the site felt that the actual social media piece was starting to feel stale. Meanwhile, Facebook and Twitter were offering novel features with focus firmly on the average user. And as Caveman previously mentioned, MySpace had just recently entered that advertising deal with Google. But they were expected to really just load the site with ads. Like, it was great for business. They made a lot of money. But on a site that's already pretty slow... It's not good to add more content on top of that, and it's just being ads. Like, people, you know, are very anti-ad. Meanwhile, Facebook and Twitter were clean and easy to use. 
No more profiles that take two full minutes to load because of all the crap you added in the HTML code. Like, I know my profile, for instance, I had a Halo background, and 1950s music would play because I just played Stubbs the Zombie, and, like, the whole soundtrack was old music, and my mom thought I was super weird. I was a weird kid, all right? No, she didn't think you were super weird. Yeah, she knew. She, yeah. But I think <clears throat> the main thing, and this is a hot take, I mean, this is personal opinion. I think the main thing that pulled a lot of people to Facebook were the Facebook games. Oh my God, Michael. Yeah. Do you do this? Okay, you want to hear? So my next thing, I say the top three things that killed Met MySpace. Do you want to hear mm -hmm. what they are? Sure. Advertising, features, mm -hmm. and Farmville. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> Everybody loves Farmville. We literally did the exact same thing. No, it, oh, my whole thing convalesces in the Facebook games, killing MySpace. So, oh yeah, my buddy, what's up? We must be onto something. Mm, that's nuts. <laughs> All right, well, I'll do my piece, and then you can just kind of... <laughs> yeah, just do it again. Fill in the gaps, yeah, that I missed. Yeah. All right, so Facebook launched the Facebook developer platform in 2007, which allowed new applications to be hosted on Facebook. And it's the reason that I joined Facebook. I played the absolute hell out of some Mafia Wars, and the games on Facebook sucked mm -hmm. really, really bad. Oh, yeah? Like, all of the games, Farmville, all the Wars games, there was Vampire Wars, Mafia Wars, like Space Wars or something, I don't know. It was all just waiting for timers like you would do a thing and then you would have to wait five minutes and then you could do it again and that was it yeah but it was still fun i mean people loved it because it was social like you were sending boosters well yeah like mob wars you had to get other people in your game yeah and... yeah exactly the more you did yeah you could like help each other out mm -hmm. and like it was very basic stuff but it was still fun yeah uh, it was a good distraction from when you were just scrolling endlessly through content and to be fair, MySpace did introduce a similar function where you could upload your own games, but it wasn't until a full year later. And by that point, most of the damage had already been done. Like, most people had already moved over. I had already moved over. And on that note, I'm not going to get too in the weeds on this point, but the reason that Facebook was able to implement this stuff so much faster was because they had built their website using actual web development tools as opposed to MySpace, which basically used a drag-and-drop interface to connect a website front into a database and said, good enough. The issue was it was great whenever it was small, but as it didn't have scalability. And these technical limitations caused MySpace to run slowly at peak times and sometimes stop working altogether. Like, their databases could only handle so many connections, and they kind of hit the ceiling on that to where they literally couldn't get any more connections to their database. So, yeah, the fact that Facebook had the technical prowess and MySpace was just chugging along, and on top of that, they their interface was so much more cluttered with ads and, you know, people's HTML code that they would just throw on their profiles, it just wasn't sustainable. And you saw, I mean, they crashed and burned because of it. Right. So, Cayman, you want to say all those things, but in a different way? Yeah, so <laughs> the way that I frame it, uh, so April 2009, Facebook surpassed MySpace, of course, as Michael was saying. Uh, it was the most trafficked social media site. A year later, most all the staff at MySpace had been replaced, including Tom Anderson, who had resigned as president, and Krista Wolf, who had been replaced as CEO. Monthly visitors were rapidly declining, and MySpace had laid off nearly 40% of its workforce by June. So by 2011, News Corp was desperate to get MySpace off of its hands, 
and in February put it up for sale. At this time, News Corp estimated it to be worth 50 to 200 million, so quite a bit beneath the 580 million that News Corp originally bought it for. So I won't say everything that Michael said again, even though we joked about it, but um, I want to say a couple things. Uh, one, everything with News Corp was driven by the bottom line. And this, this is just another one of those factors that came in to kill MySpace. So essentially, in order to keep up with quotas from their Google ad deal, they had to get page views. In order to make more cash, they had to place more ads. In order to keep up traffic, they would innovate, but they didn't have the time to refine. Because they were so concerned with getting those ads that they stopped being concerned with getting new users. And I think Chris, Krista Wolf, sums this up perfectly. Uh, and this is a, from an interview that he did with Business Week after he was done at MySpace. He says, we tried to create every feature in the world and said, okay, we can do it. Why should we let a third party do it? We should have picked five to 10 key features that we totally focused on and let other people innovate everything else, which this was something that Facebook was doing. This was part of their strategy is they focused on making Facebook work, making the user profiles, you know, streamlined, beautiful, like all simplistic. And then third-party developers came in and made Farmville, Mafia Wars. So, yeah, this uh, they really kind of blew MySpace out of the water just because of those few things. So, in June of 2011, MySpace was finally sold for a mere $35 million in a joint purchase by Specific Media Group and Justin Timberlake, which, shout out to the Memphis boys, what's up? What, the Tennessee boys? No, they were called, they were called NSYNC. It, yeah, the Tennessee boys. The Tennessee boys. Justin Timberlake is of Memphis. He's from Memphis. Right, but the the band name is not the Memphis boys. It's the Tennessee boys. Just a joke. Shout out to the Memphis boys. I wasn't talking about the band. The Justin Timberlake's band. The band was called NSYNC. I wasn't talking about the band. No, we're not talking. We're past <laughs> NSYNC. Oh my it, god. It was called NSYNC. Come on. I don't know if that's in sync, is it? That that was Britney Spears. <laughs> yes. That was Britney Spears. Okay. So before you guys give me an aneurysm. Um so they sang since, that song that goes back streets back. All right. I want you back as in sync. Okay. So in June of 2011, MySpace was finally sold for a mere 35 million in a joint purchase by specific media group and Justin Timberlake, who by the way is from Memphis. What what? Uh, there's a need for a place where fans can go to interact with their favorite entertainers, Timberlake said. They need to listen to music, watch videos, share and discover cool stuff, and just connect. MySpace has potential to be that place. Oh, a place like Facebook? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, he, MySpace definitely was reworked into a music website around this time. And that's definitely what they went for. And as of, you know, 2016, MySpace was still generating 50 million unique users a day. So that's not bad. That's still fantastic. I think I think that's kind of fallen off at this point. And I don't Probably. know that I fully believe the 50 million a day uh, number from 2016. Hey, it's me, your boy, came in from the future here. Uh, turns out Michael was correct. It was not 50 million unique visitors a day. It was 50 million unique visitors a month. We're all idiots sometimes. Um, but this was supposed to be the part of the episode where I talked about what's going on with MySpace today. And I've done a lot of thinking and done a lot of research. 
and there really isn't a whole lot to say. Uh, a company called Time Inc. now owns the site, so um, Justin Timberlake sold out, and so did... Uh, well, did Justin Timberlake sell out, or was his company just... Or No, uh, here's the thing that happened, okay. because it was weird. Specific Media Group was bought by another company and then that company was bought by time oh so it was an acquisition i don't I, i'm not sure i'm not sh- yeah it's an acquisition so i'm not sure no. if timberlake's still involved or not okay yeah i don't know for sure either honestly i kind of like looked it up for a moment but i couldn't really find anything definitive and i was like yeah no, no. okay okay well many people allege that they don't really care about maintaining the site or doing anything new with it really their acquisition was just to get that sweet sweet data um from 2006 oh and it's it's presumably to blackmail you for that time you dyed your hair the color of barbecue sauce but the site now as came mentioned leans heavily into entertainment news and indie bands the problem is nobody's going there so nobody's really <laughs> seeing it um And I feel like I can wrap this entire story up in one sentence. You are now able to sign up for MySpace using your Facebook or Twitter account. (laughs) Man, and it sucks. I, I, MySpace was cool. Like, I really liked MySpace. There was something about it, and maybe it's just all pure nostalgia at this point, or maybe it's just because Facebook's become a monster. Um... But I, I wish that MySpace was still around and they weren't doing this weird music thing. And they were still like, you know how cool it would be if you could log on to MySpace and like see the old accounts and whatnot? It'd be awesome. Yeah, it sure would be. I'm sure glad you can't do that. Can you not? No, you totally can. I, I, found, my, I found my profile. No, you didn't. Really? You can log into your old account? Yep. I stayed up till one in the morning last night trying to remember my password. Huh. Jeez. Cannot find it. And uh, that that little... I I put in a little Easter egg where I said they're going to blackmail you for that time you dyed your hair the color of barbecue sauce. That's my profile picture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, I kind of resent that. Can we post it on Instagram for the the teaser for this episode? Yeah, I'll post... Yeah, we'll we'll post it on Instagram. (laughs) Perfect. Oh, God, it's so bad. It's so miserably bad. Do we want to go into afterthoughts? Uh, I'm already there, baby. Okay. So, uh, interestingly enough, on March 18th, 2019, it was revealed that MySpace had lost all their user content from 2015 and earlier in a botched server migration. Then why is my profile still active? All right, one second. On March 18th, 2019, it was revealed that MySpace had lost all their user content from 2015 and earlier in a botched server migration. With no backup. Over 50 million songs and 12 years worth of content were permanently lost. Which begs the question, how can we still search our profiles? I don't know. Like, my old one doesn't show a picture. So, I don't know what's going on there. I've, I've got a picture. You've got a picture? That, and that was, that was my MySpace profile picture, without a doubt. Huh. So, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe you just got lucky and yours wasn't lost? Uh, do you call that lucky? <laughs> well, that's if you're assuming that it actually was lost and not just sold to someone in Belarusia. All right. So really quickly, Friendster declined to be bought out by Google in a, in a very similar move to uh, MySpace's refusal to buy Facebook. So 
Eventually, the CEO of Friendster was removed from his position due to lack of performance, and he was replaced by a guy named Tim Kugel, which I have to imagine was a Google spy who just lacked creativity. <laughs> but interestingly enough, Kugel's previous job was as CEO of Yahoo. So maybe we'll get to talk about him further in our, I'm sure to be future Yahoo episode. Right. So I just think it was funny that his name's Kugel and he... <coughs> Google sold to Google. He didn't sell to Google, but oh, he worked for Yahoo. He worked for Yahoo and then Friendster. Um, it seems like a bad step. Seems like a misstep. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, better than stick it. Well, probably not better than sticking around at Yahoo. But people still use Yahoo email. I run into them all the time at work. Wait, what? Yahoo email. Like that's like a lot of people still have Yahoo email accounts. Yeah, it's still a thing. Yahoo Finance is still really big. Yeah, people Yeah, people are okay with that. And completely unrelated, but while we're talking about social media, I just decided to go check this statistic. I have tweeted a grand total of four times in my life. Hey, there you go, Michael. Less than a whole hand's worth of t- tweets. I deleted my Twitter because it was embarrassing. So, Michael, in your expert opinion, or rather amateur opinion... What was the I really wish you hadn't with MySpace? I mean, I feel like you could say selling out to News Corp was bad, but I I, I think it was the right move, right? I mean, Tom Anderson and Chris DeWolf are multi-multi-millionaires. Like, Tom Anderson today is just, he, he does photography now. Yeah. Like, he's got an Instagram, and he just takes pictures of stuff. Like, that's his whole life. No, pause, Michael. He does, you said he does photography? Tom Anderson does whatever he wants. That's the kind of money Tom Anderson has. <laughs> well, yeah, but what he wants right now is to do photography. So that's what he's doing. And like, he's not bad at it. Good on him. But as far as MySpace goes, like it was probably a bad move. But I think the I mean, the real issue was I didn't buy Facebook for seventy five million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I think that another thing would have come along and killed him out. But. I don't know, man. They would have bought themselves some time, at least. Facebook and Twitter did a much better job in one area, and I think that that was they focused on the users, and they said the ad money will come later. Whereas MySpace was more focused on the ad money and said that they just had to fight to keep those users. Well, that's very obvious. It it was very obvious on the site. So, yeah, News Corp, the Google ad deal – I, if they'd bought Facebook, they probably would have messed it up. I mean, if Chris DeWolf himself had bought it, like Chris now at least in in the interviews I've seen with him realizes all the problems that MySpace had. So maybe if he'd bought it personally, like it would have worked out. Who knows? Who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> anyway, Cayman, you want to tell the people they can find us? Of course, I would love to. So you can follow us on Twitter at IRWYH Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at I Really Wish You Hadn't. And if you have any questions about the show, and if you want to send us some embarrassing pictures from your circa 2006 MySpace profile, you can email them to podcast at I Really Wish You Hadn't.com. Until next time, take it easy. I don't know why I said that last part. I Really Wish You Hadn't is hosted by me, Michael Bentley, and Cayman McMahon. We are produced by Colin Moore. 
Intro and outro music by Tax Story. Our cover art is by Nickator. Please remember to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, please don't hack into the military and try to get video games. I don't even understand how that's a thing. <laughs> and as always, don't do anything I wouldn't do. You're like an umbrella that you